0: to the Speak Healing Words podcast. I am Janelle, your host for our conversation today on trust. We have been working our way through the nine practices of my newest book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, and today we are on practice eight. Take the leap and trust again. As we've been moving through the nine practices, we know that The heart lift method is three phases, the heart rift, the heart shift, and the heart lift. We are now in the third heart lifting phase, hallelujah, and learning to trust again when your heart has been really broken apart is a hard, hard process. So I do my best in 5,000 words within the book to to really introduce what it means to trust in God. So let's talk about that today. There's no way we can go delve into the depths of this word without (laughs) talking about it forever, but we're going to give it our best shot today. The intention of practice eight is, I will overcome hurtful words or relationships as we've expanded, or difficult obstacles, by taking the leap and trusting again. I start out Practice 8 with a very personal story. It was a rash decision, I write, but one that held no regret. I was working out at a local gym when Scott, the owner, breezed by my elliptical and shouted out a question. Janelle, you've got to join us. He grinned. "You ready to take the leap?" "Leap?" I asked as I took my headphones out. "Did I hear you right? What leap might that be?" Sweat dripping down my face. The gym is hosting a special group jump at the Suffolk Executive Airport. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's time to experience that free fall you've been talking to me about. Are you ready? Scott and Bruce, co-owners of the gym, were both professional skydivers. We had been talking about a a possible future jump so I could test some material I'd been developing. Never in a million years did I think it would ever pan out. Truthfully, I surprised myself when, with no hesitation at all, I replied, Yes! Absolutely yes! After my workout, I went home and told my husband... Rob. What? Are you serious? He asked. Yep. You're going to join me. It's on father's day. Perfect time to do it. I said all in the name of research. I don't know about this. He hesitated. It took a couple of days, but Rob did reluctantly decide to take the leap with me on his special father's day. One condition. He said, we jump at different times on different air from a different airplane, just in case ever the, Hmm, Hmm, let's say the wise one. Let's not both go down at once. He was, he's a realist, and I, so I had to wisely agree just in case. I love the words of really one of my favorite, favorite counselors and uh, authors, Paula Reinhart. She talks about trust and living life courageously this way. And I was reading her book at the time, Strong Women's Soft Hearts. And These words reminded me that, you know, God wants us to take some leaps. It turns out that playing it safe, at least in matters of the heart, is the most dangerous thing you can do. Hmm. By that route, the safe route, you become a butterfly pinned to the wall with wonderful colors and all kinds of potential, but going nowhere. Let's let that sink in. Your wings are clipped. To really fly, you must claim the courage to live out of your real self, the one God called into being. Here in the Speak Healing Words community, we call this our God-breathed true self. That Genesis 2-7 human being that God breathed his very nature into, meaning we have his virtue living inside of us. For as long as I can remember, trusting in God seemed to go hand in hand with the proverbial leap of faith. So with intense curiosity, I really did begin my own search to see the parallels between trusting in God and taking a leap of faith out of an airplane, a free fall experience. My study started in a hotel room in Chicago with simple definitions, a Bible concordance, and scripture reading. At the time, I believe it was 2004. Uh, We didn't have uh, computers and all of these things, all of the Google and all that stuff, if I'm correct. So I had my books with me, My husband was at a business conference and and when he was gone, I decided this was the time I was going to start writing a new Bible study because that's what I used to do fervently was write Bible studies and teach the Bible. I have since gone back and got my master's in counseling and have opened a practice. So a lot of my writing has shifted, uh, although I still definitely, you know, the Bible is definitely my uh, foundation, but I've been really called to break it apart, and make it into very practical applications so that we can live true, meaningful lives that are really imaging Christ. So it took several, several years of deep valleys, dark places, and hours and hours in waiting rooms to really get to the core of what it meant to trust in God. Oh, I'm not sure I'll ever get there, but I have come a long way. I had undertaken book projects, written many blog posts, and taught numerous conferences, all from speculation on trusting in God, not from a real-life experience of free-falling myself. So when Scott brought his skydiving idea to my attention, I decided this is no coincidence. Here was a prime opportunity to test my novice theory, to see if what I had actually been teaching, I was actually doing retreats called free-fall, was in fact true. You know, typically you would do the research before, but I did it a little backwards. I suspect that's why I didn't hesitate. I just knew figuratively I had already taken the jump in my mind a million times, but I needed to experience it firsthand. That would be the next logical step. And I'm so glad I did. There, I didn't need any more guessing I wanted to put my words to the test and I tell you right here, right now, my initial research was 100, okay, 99.89 because is anyone's research really 100% accurate? That tandem jump from 15,000 feet in the air confirmed my notion that taking a literal leap into the vast blue skies from a moving airplane is the perfect metaphor for trusting in God. You know, sometimes in life we are thrust into the depths of trust. Trust is quite a word, and it casts quite a shadow. Five letters only, but what a big word it is. I have found this a difficult concept to understand, and so that's why I started researching it. So in the book, if you have the book with you, I'm on page 155, getting ready to flip to 156. And I I write here that I had to go to the words within the word because that's what we do in Speak Healing Words. So we can really, really understand what a word means. We have to take it apart. We have to dissect it. Because trust, mm, it's one of the foundational principles principles of our life, of our faith, of our relationships, our family bonds, our governments, everything, political systems. So I turned to my favorite dictionary, the Webster 1828. I have a green one that was given to me when I, by one of the founders of the principal approach uh, methodology of teaching, and it is falling apart. And my children say they're going to put it in my Grave with me. And now you can get it online, which is really fun because I can look it up anywhere from my phone. So the 1828 defines trust the verb in this way. Are you ready? I think you're gonna be as a as I was. It in the verb sense, it is a reliance or resting of the mind. Oh yeah, it it really says this: a resting of the mind. On the integrity, veracity, justice, friendship, or other sound principle of another person. I like now to say that trust is like this. (sighs) I feel so safe with this person. I feel at ease with this person. This person is my person. I can just be with them. No expectations, no judgments, no shame, just grace and acceptance and belonging. A second definition is a firm belief in the reliability, hmm, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And as I write in the book, take note resting of the mind and on the portion of this definition trust has to be in or on someone or something okay so let's look at reliance then we're going to take it down into the into the words within the word so reliance then is rest or repose of mind that results from a full belief of the veracity, which veracity just means truth. There's not an ounce of lying in that person (laughs) or integrity of a person or the certainty of a fact. Take note, rest of mind once again is in the definition of reliance. And then we add to that full belief. Okay, I told you veracity is habitual truth. And integrity is that quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Veracity then, hear me here, write this down, circle it on page 157 on our chart. Veracity is the cornerstone of God's character. Numbers 23, 19 says this in the ancient text, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should change his mind. God cannot lie. He just can't. So when we look at the words within the words here, we see that trust and reliance go hand in hand. They are intimately acquainted. One can't work without the other. Genuine trust and reliance both require a full belief in the one being trusted. So this this is really critical, and I found this to be the really critical point. So bear in here with me for a few minutes as we get to this. When we are speaking of God, a full belief must be active in order to truly trust in God. Because full belief, not half-hearted, maybe I'll think about it, trust, really will not pull us through to the other side to be able to trust again. And when we trust, when we do put that full belief in, that preposition so important there, in God, in the veracity of his character, that God, basically the bottom line, here it is, God is trustworthy. He is But we have to have a full belief of that. And you know what? It typically takes some life experience, some exercising of our trust muscles on smaller trials, maybe earlier on in our faith walk, that, you know, we have to exercise our faith and and put our trust in God in smaller ways so that when the bigger... I hate even putting bigger, smaller in there. But when a trial of some true difficulty comes, a cancer diagnosis, a divorce, uh, you fill in the blank. Something that is shocking and overwhelming. Our trust muscles then must have been exercised. They must be prepared and strong enough To be able to put a full belief into God, when we do trust then, the affect, the A-F-F-E-C-T of that, what we experience in our bodies is a rest or a repose of mind. Since we've defined rest, and we went through that in practice five, sure, that's practice five, I don't want to lead you astray. Yes, practice five. As collecting strength in our souls, perhaps we can now interpret trust, oh, and I love this so much, as collecting strength in our minds. And they are different. When I first discovered how trust linked to the mind, I really, I honestly was shocked. I thought, oh my goodness. How many times have you heard, I've heard really great Bible teachers talk about the battle is always in the mind. Scripture talks about the mind. Paul teaches about it. The mind really is our battlefield, isn't it? Our thought processes, our cognition. That's why I'm here with you right now to help us strengthen our minds, our thinking processes, our Capacity to have a mature mind. The greatest battles typically involve our thought processes, don't they? And our perceptions. Oh my goodness, just in my client work this week, so much is about perception, perception, and perception. It's just amazing. So if we follow that path of reasoning, if trust brings rest to our minds, shouldn't it then also bring peace to our hearts and souls and health to our physical being? Think of the ramifications of this just for a moment. A reduction of anxiety and stress levels, increased overall wellness and more productive sleep patterns, which are all proven to add meaning and satisfaction to life, are a direct result of putting our trust in God Almighty and also having trust in the nearest relationships, the most meaningful relationships in our lives. I just put it this way, and I've said it before, I'm going to repeat it again. It's when I'm with someone and I feel at Ease in my body. I feel safe. That's how I have come to define trust in a person. There's really no other way. And in the counseling world, and we've talked about this before as well, but we're getting to the end here where we're kind of tying it all together. Embodiment is when we are in our skin when we are not crawling out of our skin, like I was in the beginning of the book in practice one when I was confronted and affronted and wounded by the words of Angela, someone I thought I could trust. But what that got to in me was my personal need to mature in the areas of not allowing people to talk to me in a demeaning, shameful way. I needed to deal with my own shameful shamings. I needed to to, to confront my desires and needs for approval, affirmation, and applause. So that is an exercise in which I had an aha and I grew my trust muscles. And now I know, through the grace of God, I would handle that situation differently and I am more whole. So I will answer, I will respond and not react. So up to this point, every practice that we've been digging into lead us to this place where we can now discern and see the safe people in our lives And sometimes as heartlifters, we are going to be called to be the safe person. So heartlifting is all about creating safe communities, safe places, safe cultures where men and women and children truly feel at ease, at peace. When someone sits with me, I want them to be able to place their trust in me so they they feel safe enough to be able to vocalize their pain or their struggles in a safe way, in a safe place, so that they can move through any heart rifts or difficulties and ultimately reach freedom in Christ. This is what we're doing here, and it is a layered process, and I understand it can become it can become a little baffling, but I'm doing my best today to help us not be so baffled. So the prophet Isaiah, he tried to tell God's people this, and we're, we're in the Old Testament of our, our beloved ancient text. And this is Isaiah 26, verses three and four from the Message Bible. People with their minds set on you, God, you keep completely whole. Oh my I just want to scream right now. I'm going to read it again. You know I am. People with their minds set, fixed, like super glue on you, God, because you know God is trustworthy. It may not feel like it. It may feel like he's being silent. But hear me. He is trustworthy. And ultimately, he will bring you through. But you're going to have to stay with it. He says, we will be kept completely whole, steady on our feet, because we're going to keep at it and we're not going to quit. Depend on God and keep at it. Isaiah says it twice. Keep at it because in the Lord God, you have a sure thing. Wow. My, my goodness. But trust is elusive, isn't it? We can't touch it. In fact, we almost have to experience it before we can define it. Yet we are to give it, we are to give this trust to some invisible reality like God. It's like trying to capture the wind, isn't it? Bottle the lily's fragrance or catch a falling star. It requires, here is the crux of practice eight. Trusting in God involves a transaction, a spiritual transaction in the spiritual realm of life, because there is one. (laughs) There is. Not the physical. So the intangible object here is our trust. Just try to define trust, right? Before you heard the real definition, it's a resting of the mind on the veracity and integrity of some other human being or some being. It's a hard thing to define. That's why I've spent so many years trying to do it. But we we have to take our trust, that deep, deep mm, thing inside of us, and put it in an invisible reality, which is God. But we can't see or touch him. But He's he is a reality. He's just invisible to us. Oh, yes, we can see him in other people. We can see his spirit blowing through the trees, and we can sense his presence. But we cannot physically put our hands on his skin like the disciples could to Jesus. This is a high stakes risk, I say. (laughs) I think you might agree. So as you move through the rest of the practice from page 159 on, I share my journey about jumping out of the airplane and my tandem experience with Tandem Jim, who was literally belted to me. It was quite the experience. And I actually forgot he was belted to me when we first pushed out of the plane. And I had this visual image in my brain that as we began our free fall from the airplane that I would just look like a beautiful ballerina. But no, no, no. I turned and tossed and turned and went into a 120 mile per hour free fall that all I could think in my cognition, because my cognition, my thought process went berserk was, I'm gonna die, 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 I'm gonna die. I, I, that's, that is the one thought that rolled through my mind as I was rolling through the free fall. I forgot Tandem Jim was on my back. I forgot that we had a parachute. I thought I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. I couldn't breathe. The air was freezing cold. And then, all of a sudden, this little, the, the, parachute the little tiny white balloon that pops up first before he he deploys the big parachute slowed us down a bit and then he deploys the parachute and whoosh we went from 120 miles per hour free fall to absolute becoming upright and silent it was remarkable I forgot he had the parachute, and I likened the parachute to prayer. That when we, when something va- puts us into the vast blue skies of the unknown, some diagnosis, some trial, some harsh words, some difficult relationship, a crash, something. And we're going 120 miles an hour. and We just think we're not going to make it. We're going to die. We're going to die. Oh, my God, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And if, if in that millisecond, remember, between the stimulus and the response, that we can say, God, help me. That's like pulling the parachute. We will, whoosh, come upright and silence will settle in. Peace will come into our souls and trust will prevail. I forgot Tandem Gym was on my back. But he was on my back, and he was in control, and everything was fine. So Tandem Jim was was God Almighty to me. And before we did this, I thought, I'm going to take the reins. I want to be in charge once we deploy the parachute, because he had talked to me about that. And I am telling you, once we became upright and the parachute came and the silence came, I didn't want to move. I couldn't move a muscle. I was so grateful. It's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, God, I'm not, I'm not dead. And he tapped me on the shoulder and he was going to hand me the reins. And I shook my head, no. And I said, oh, no, you're good. I'm good. I'm good. You're in control. I don't need to be in control. I don't want to be in control. I trust you completely, Tandem Jim. I trust you completely, Almighty God. And the next thing he said, I'll never forget it. He And we were going through the clouds. He goes, kiss the clouds. It's your turn to kiss the clouds. And I did. And it was the most amazing thing. And of course, I calmed down, mostly. And the perspective that I had of being that high in the altitude and looking down at the world that looked so small changed everything in my life. So closing out, because we're going a little bit long. Hmm. I just want to read to you something that the brilliant A.W. Tozer wrote in The Knowledge of the Holy. He begins with a profound statement. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Please listen. He continues, the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. Let me interject. Have you ever been so angry with God? Have you ever just, I don't believe in God, he's mean. He's, look what's going on in the world. Tozer says, for this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he is in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. He then says in plain and simple language, were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. Our real idea of God may lie buried under the rubbish of conventional religious notions, hear that, and may require an intelligent and vigorous search before it is finally unearthed and exposed for what it is. Hmm. Let me close with, I have had many, many clients sit with me who are angry at God, who have a very distorted image of God in their mind. One comes to mind where she saw God as heavily robed like a priest and sitting in judgment on a throne room on a throne and there was a plexiglass huge divider between her and God and through God's miraculous touch we were able to really bring her to see God as a good God a good father but as I would try to help these clients and even my own self heal their perception of God, I definitely immersed myself in a quest to increase my own capacity to ask better questions. The standstill in their progress, it agitated me. Yes, it did, in a good way, because it stretched me. The answers, the methods, and the textbook knowledge I had wasn't helping. And having experienced the power of a perfectly timed, well-formulated, spirit-filled question in my own life, I hungered to possess that skill. So sometimes it just takes asking the right questions And knowing and leading someone to the right question. So the question I'm going to leave you with today is, what is your perception of God? Who do you see God to be? Please hop over to the Facebook page, uh, Janelle Reardon author. If you search that, or if you just search at speak healing words or at Janelle Reardon, you will find me on Facebook and Instagram. And this week, we're going to be really digging into that oh, such a, a, an important question. Who and what and how do you see God? Because until that is in alignment, it will be very difficult to put your trust in God. It's not that we don't put our trust in people or spiritual leaders or churches, but ultimately we put our trust in In God and God alone. So join me as we take this conversation further. Please subscribe to my blog, subscribe to this podcast so you can receive in your inbox daily, weekly, monthly encouragement. Nothing but encouragement, inspiration, and truth. It's been great being with you today. I will see you next time and never forget that God is trustworthy, you can place your heart in his hands. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleRiordan.com.